As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Wheel of Time Spoilers Podcast. Your hosts are Seth Jacobson and Patrick Heiler. Chapter 17, The Red Sister, and our symbol is the Flame of Tarvalet. Elida was a handsome woman, rather than beautiful, and the sturdiness on her face added maturity to her ageless Aes Sedai features. She did not look old, yet Egwene could never imagine Lyda as having been young. Except for the most formal occasions, few Aes Sedai wore the vine-embroidered shawl with the white teardrop flame of Tarvalin large on the wearer's back. But Elida wore hers the long red fringe announcing her aja. Red slashed her dress of cream-colored silk, too, and red slippers peeked under the edge of her skirts as she moved into the room. Her dark eyes watched them as a bird's eyes watched worms. So all of you are together. Somehow, that does not surprise me. Her voice made no more pretense than her bearing did. She was a woman of power, and ready to wield it if she decided it was necessary. A woman who knew more than those she spoke to. It was much the same for a queen as for a novice. I kind of imagine the red slippers as the ruby slippers from Wizard of Oz. <laughs> Don't know why. That's just what's in my head. And that would make a light of the evil witch of the West. I don't really know what they're supposed to look like. I never spend much time thinking about it. But whenever I think of slippers, I just think of like the cheap ones you get, the cheap fluffy slippers you get from Walmart. They're like shaped from thing with like things. Well, the whole thing about slippers is that they're delicate so that, like, you can't wear them anywhere. I'm Googling fancy slippers, and none of, none of these look fancy. <laughs> Try fantasy slippers. Uh, that might right. get you a whole different set of websites, <laughs> See what happens. <laughs> Safe search is off. This is the fun of the internet, guys. Yep, these are just like the ones shaped like the Grinch's feet. There's nothing weird here. So yeah, just the fact that she doesn't <laughs> go anywhere, you know? She doesn't do much walking. They're delicate. She doesn't have to protect her feet. Yeah. Is that what the point is? 
Yeah, that you're like noble and aristocratic and you don't have to, you know, it all goes back to boots, as Matt would say. Your best pair of boots is for walking, unless you're a noble. Uh, and then you've got all the fancy shoes. For looking fancy. But they're no good for walking in. Alita takes the cloth bag of herbs out of Nynaeve's hands and scolds her for trying to for carrying it around. You're not a village wisdom any longer, child. Trying to hold on to the past will only hold you back. Okay, bitch. Alita's like always wrong about everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean Nynaeve gets past needing to use the herbs, no doubt. Yeah. But there's a a way to say that that's not being a dick. Sure. And Nynaeve holding on to her past, like trying constantly trying to protect the Emmons Fielders, is what arcs her into the future to be this powerful person. It's her motivation. It's her driving force. Yeah. It's, it's the reason she does anything right. other than go home, which is what she would do if it weren't for the Emmons Fielders out there running around. I wanted to uh, sort of draw a parallel between this scene and the Leandrin scene. It's very similar to having a red sister walk in the, in on them and say, hey, did you know there are black Aja? When Leandrin's like, there are black Aja. Exactly. Exactly. And this is just another red sister. So just the parallels, I think, immediately make you go, wait, wait, is Elida black? It just it's It makes you, it puts you in that mindset that she's evil and then she's a bitch and the two things go together to really make you hate her <laughs> all that much more. <laughs> It makes you want to believe that she's Black Aja, but yeah. she's not. She's the best red herring, <laughs> pun intended. Uh, that just because you hate her so much, you want her to be evil, right? But that's that's also the brilliance, I think, about making Shuriam black and Elida not, and Varen. Varen's like the last person I would have expected well, to be black. Varen's a whole other. She's purple. She's a whole other thing. I never got that purple thing. I hear people say it sometimes. They're, you know, they're the traditional seven Ajahs, right? But there's also this eighth Ajah, which is the black Ajah, which uh -huh. is like the Ajah that works for evil. And people wanted to be like, oh, well, maybe there's this other secret Ajah that has members of all Ajahs in it that's working towards good. You, know, you can't call it the white Ajah because we already have one of those. Oh, so, yeah. Well, that's why I never understood. I was like red and blue. I don't understand. No, it's, it's, the, it's the only color left. So people like the purple Ajah is the quote unquote like those working underground for good versus those working underground for evil. Gotcha. But it doesn't really make sense because those working for good are just working for good. There's no underground to them, except maybe Varen, who is kind of a double agent. And so that's the whole Varen is purple. She's really the only one who was the like undercover agent for the side of the light. I hope that's a, a sufficient explanation for, yeah, it's just the anti-black Aja. And that's also why our names are the uh, excuse me. That's also why the mods' names are purple in the uh, chat. Oh, oh, you guys never put that together. Yeah, that was all. That's why I chose purple. Also, because it's the last color left, which is probably also why they chose purple for the the other Ajas. Now, what's her first name? Varen. Yeah, Varen. What's her last name? I don't know. Mathwin. That's right. Thank you, Radio. Oh, Bambi was there first. All right, got to give her credit. I mean, at least that's the order it came up in my feed. You know, I know <laughs> that there are issues with syncing and everything, and that everyone's order is slightly different. So Lyda goes on to be really vague. 
like vaguely threatening and to just demand information from them. Like you brought up that she says, do you know we have the Black Aja among us? And we were told, Nynaeve said cautiously, cautiously, Alida Sedai, she added after a pause. (laughs) Alida arced an eyebrow. Yes, I thought you might know of it. Egwene gave a start at her tone, implying so much more than it said. And Nynaeve opened her mouth angrily. And this kind of goes back and forth for a while. The next thing I have is like on the next page when she says, tell me why you ran away and what you've been doing these months, and I will do what I can for you. As earlier, I was sort of thinking about embracing the one power as a bit of like cocking a gun. It's a bit of an overt threat occasionally and can be used like it. And just sort of seeing Elida embrace the source almost as a threat to these girls was very much like hearing that click what you know it, you, you can do more than kill shoot somebody but it's it's a very overt threat especially within the context of the conversation oh is that where she does that will you obey me child a glow surrounded elida the eye said eyes glare was fixed on elaine must i teach you here and now and there's like a serious moment of tension when like they're about to fight yeah, I saw that. I just, I didn't really know. We talked about this a little before we started recording. I don't know. I see it. I, I suppose she's threaten, threatening them, but what she, what can she really do? She like smack them around a little is the conclusion we came to. Well, assuming that she has to obey the three oaths. Right. I mean, we know that she does. Which we know she does, but the girls don't. Yeah. How hard is it to, yeah, you could tie someone up with the one power. That's not using as a weapon, but once they're tied up, stabby stabby it wouldn't be that hard to then kill somebody with a non-power weapon yeah if you incapacitated them with the one power and of course they do mental mm-hmm. gymnastics to make the one power quote-unquote punishments that's not, not a, a power yeah but you know we've talked about this before you they they break bones they leave bruises they like they can really hurt somebody yeah and all elida would have to do is say well it was it was just a punishment radio is talking about it what is a weapon what does that even mean like if i take a you know anything pick up anything and hit someone with it it's going to be construed as a weapon like you just modified your ability to hit someone harder literally you know a chair a pen is a weapon well the adam addresses that in that nothing's a weapon until you consider it one right doesn't land say something like exactly like that Anything that you make a weapon is a weapon. Yeah. Basically, your environment can be a weapon. Once you consider it to be a weapon, it is. Right. But at the same time, the reverse is true. If you don't consider it a weapon, it's not. And so according to the three oaths, you can just use it to beat the crap out of somebody. Because it's not a weapon. It's just a a switch for punishment. Yeah. It's not that much skinnier than the quarterstaff Matt uses to kill people with. But it's not a weapon. It's a switch. Right. So the Discord channel is trying to make a distinction between the oath for making no weapon for killing, which is one oath, not using the power to kill, but you can use the power to harm. I think Sam's right. Speak no word that is not true. To make no weapon with which one man may kill another. Never to use the one power as a weapon except against dark friends or shadow spawn, or in the last extreme defense of her life, the life of her warder, or another Aes Sedai. You know, the Oxford comma could make a big difference in how that oath is interpreted. 
It's just how does grammar and like punctuation affect the interpretation of an oath like that? Oh, it totally does. And in the def in the last extreme defense of her life, the life of her warder, or another Aes Sedai, or against a dark friend, or against Shadow Spawn, like all you would have to do is perceive that you're under threat, first of all. You don't actually have to be under threat. Or that someone is a dark friend. That's just like everybody's wrong about that all the time. Sure. In defense of your life, like, well, or the life of another. I mean, there's so many loopholes. I can't remember which battle it is, but it's when I said I turns to another, and I think I think Matt's there and goes, "Hmm, do you feel in danger for your life? Yeah, I'd say I feel <laughs> I, I feel sufficiently in danger. Okay, <laughs> boom, you know, and then they bust out the one power, but it's like they have to like there's arrows falling falling around them, and like people are getting shot next to them." Is Jolene is uh, what people are saying, but it was very sort of that calm, collected. Yes, I believe I'm in danger now. What's the Ralph Wiggum sitting on the bus? I'm in danger. <laughs> Elida really tries to drag out of them what happened, and Egwene starts to make up a story, and Nynaeve stops her. Egwene kind of stumbles. We went to, we brought him back to be healed. If we hadn't, we would die. The Amerlin is going to heal him. That is enough, Egwene, Nynaeve, Nynaeve said. Elida's penetrating look shifted to her, but she gave no sign of being affected by it. She met the Aes Sedai's eyes without blinking. Forgive me for interrupting, Elida Sedai, she said smoothly, but the Amerlin seat said our transgressions were to be put behind us and forgotten. As part of making a new beginning, we are not even to speak of them. The Amerlin said it should be as if they had never happened. She said that, did she? Still nothing in Elida's voice or on her face told whether she believed or not. Interesting. You can hardly forget entirely when your punishment has been announced to the entire tower. Unprecedented that. Unheard of. So, I mean, I think Elida knows that Suan doesn't want the girls to speak to anyone about what happened. Yes. I think it only spurs her interest further. But also that she's punishing and promoting them. Sure. Elida sees a puzzle. There's no doubt in my mind. I understand you are to be raised to the accepted, Elaine and Egwene. That is hardly punishment. Elaine glanced at the Aes Sedai as though for permission to speak. Yes, Mother said we were ready, she said. A touch of defiance entered her voice. I have learned, Elida said I, and grown. She would not have named me to be raised if I had not. Learned, Elida said musingly, and grown. Perhaps you have. Yeah, the Aes Sedai aren't super happy when people learn stuff outside of the tower, especially Elida, who is not a fan of Wilders. Yeah, well, it's that's just elitism. It's it, I never understood that. It's a very much it feels like Harry Potter and the Muggles. No, the half breeds versus the oh, purebloods versus mudbloods. Mudblood, that's right. The mixing of the two kinds of bloods creates the mudblood. And I feel like there's a very similar, I don't know why Elida keeps bringing me back to Harry Potter with Umbridge and <laughs> Mudblood. It's just this attitude of this smug administrator. That She's really easy to hate. I was typing that before, but I don't think I've said it out loud yet. She's designed to be contemptible. Well designed. Nobody likes Elida. No. And, you know, she's smart and a bit of an ass 
here in the beginning, I think when Fane gets a hold of her, things definitely change for the worst. For sure. I mean, whenever Fane gets a hold of anyone, things go downhill. Definitely. And there's a line here where she says, Interesting, you can hardly forget entirely when your punishment has been announced to the entire tower. Unprecedented that, unheard of, for less than stilling. Is that the line that Elaine later mistakes for being a threat? Because later she's like, she threatened me with stilling. And this was the only other mention I could see of it. I didn't know what Elaine was referring to, to be honest, or what the threat would be if not the, like, she embraces the source for a moment. Sure. But I I didn't even see that as particularly threatening. She is looming. Right. She's menacing. She's not... Not necessarily threatening. Yeah. But I think the parallels between this and Leandrin makes the girls think of this as a direct threat. Probably more so than they would have had another Red Sister not barged into their rooms, proclaimed the Black Aja existed, and then dragged off to the ways to the other side of the continent. You know, and I think Elida's hitting a lot of those same buttons. Sure. Which makes them way more suspicious. And the next thing I have is Lida asking about Rand. Yeah, I was just reading that over. It's so vague. She's just searching for information. Right. The Simmons Field of yours must be an unusual place to produce the two of you and Randall Thor. It's just a village, Nynaeve said. Just a village like any other. Because don't forget, right now, Elida is hatching her plan to depose Suon. And so she's finding out about Rand, and she wants more information about him and what's going on. She's sort of making the connections between Moraine, who brought these girls, who grew up with Randall Thor, who are in cahoots with the Amerlin. She's, like, making all these internal connections. And the girls are definitely a connection. Definitely. And I think that's one of the things that leads to her gathering enough evidence at the encouragement of the Black Aja. Yeah. Well, this scene ends pretty quickly when Elida just continues to insist that they tell, start telling him, telling her about Randall Thor. And then there's a long moment where they all sort of stare, stare at each other. And at that instant, the door opened again. Shiriam regarded the room with a measure of surprise. It is well I find you here, Elaine. I want all three of you. I had not expected you. Elida. Elida stood, arranging her shawl. We are all curious about these girls, why they ran away, what adventures they had while they were gone. The said mother has commanded them not to speak of it. As well not to, Shiriam said. They are to be punished, and that should be an end to it. And Shiriam shows up because she's there to take them to Matt's healing. Yeah. So that there's no, like, suspicious motive, motive there, as far as I can tell. Nah. She's just being sent as... Of novices. Interesting that Elida is not participating in the healing of Matt because she is also one of the more powerful Aes Sedai in the tower. Swan only wants women she can believe she can trust to do this stuff. <laughs> and yet, <laughs> it's still full of Black Aja. As much as she trusts anyone, trusts Varen and Shiriam, but who are the Aes Sedai? That comes up in two chapters. But who are the Aes Sedai that heal Matt? Uh, Mackenzie has the list here for us. Suon, Leanne, Varen, Seraphel, mm-hmm. Alana, Anya, Brendos of the White, who I don't know anything about, 
two others and Shirium. I don't, so for the most part, it just seems the core group of Aes Sedai that we know about. This is where Elaine said she threatened me, which I suppose is what, the way I interpret that is she menaced me with the idea that that she could do something. (laughs) Is kind of what actually happened. But she specifically mentions she threatened me with stilling. Yeah, I don't know. It just seems very vague to me. Do I? Am I the only one, Discord? Does is does this seem obvious to everyone else, or is Elaine being jumpy? She's definitely being overly sensitive, and I think I think Sherriam's got a good like. You mistook her. If if being stilled, or if being willful were a stilling offense, everyone in this freaking tower would be stilled. We're all I said I. We're all arrogant as hell. Yeah, like <laughs> you can't you can't still someone for being arrogant in the White Tower. Few meek women ever make the ring in the shawl. That is not to say, of course, that you must not learn to act meekly when it is required. Yes, Sirium, yes, said I. I. <laughs> you see, you can give the appearance of meekness, at least. I liked that. That she knows it's just the appearance? And that Sirium is c- openly implying that it doesn't matter <laughs> whether you are or appear to be. What matters is that you appear to be. Exactly. Not, yeah. Appearance <laughs> The distinction matter. isn't terribly important you can just lie with your actions Nynaeve asks about the asks Shiriam about the body of the gray man and Shiriam deflects and doesn't answer the question I mean gets angry because Elaine now knows about it even though she told them not to tell anybody and then of course Shiriam says now there are seven people in the tower who know a man was killed today in the novices quarters and two of them are men who know no more than that all right so can we name the seven uh, Nynaeve doesn't seem to be able to, because she immediately starts to, she tries to guess. Suon, the three girls. Shiriam. Shiriam, and the two men who carried the body. That's seven. This is interesting. Nynaeve says, yes, Shiriam, should I? But Nynaeve refused to stop at that. Seven, he said, Shiriam, should I? Plus whoever killed him. And maybe they, maybe they had help getting into the tower. Oh. I thought it was clever that I, Nynaeve said, well, somebody killed him, so that, that's at least eight. Right. <laughs> Unless it was you, Shiriam Sedai, which I don't think is true, but Yeah, for a long time this quote often made me think that it was Shiriam. Mm-hmm. I still kind of think it was Shiriam who killed them, because that would explain why she says, No, it was just seven. There's nobody else. But it is it is Slayer. Don't get me wrong. There's there's plenty of evidence that it was Slayer, but this quote always made me think that Shiriam killed the second gray man and lay oh, yeah. him out in her own bed in order to distract from her being a black Aja. I mean, Shiriam can lie too, but I, I always perceive that as a threat against Shiriam for not having made sure the job was completed, not Shiriam hiding a body in her own bed or not hiding, but placing it there. I don't know. I never really, did we even consider Shiriam as the killer of nah, the second gray man? I don't think so. I don't think it was actually her. But we haven't really. We kind of just went with Slayer because I think I read somewhere it was Slayer. Mackenzie says, Winter's Heart, Chapter 22. It's mentioned Slayer killed a gray man in the tower. Right, but which gray man, Aradia says. Good question. We'll never know. Yeah, there was the one that was killed in mid-stride. Yes. And then there was the one who was laid out in Shiriam's bed later. 
and we assume the one killed mid-stride was killed by the other another gray man for failing, and then the one laid out in the bed was laid out by Slayer after killing him. But I think it's also possible that Slayer killed the first one and Shiriam killed the second and laid it out in her own bed to hide I've it. thought of that as some a possibility. Or maybe a gray man was sent for her for not doing her job. Yeah. And she killed it. Right? Because why her bed? Of all places. What, what is the point of that? Oh, and the, Unless, second, the second one was dead with no mark on it, and that means someone probably used the power to kill it, which means probably not Slayer. Just going to say, for, there's only two reasons I can think of that. Either it tried to kill her, and she wakes up, kills it, gets out of bed, and while she's laying there with it, except it's dead, and she killed it. Right. Or it's the godfather threat that I was talking about in the episode where this actually happened. Or if she encountered it somewhere else, killed it, and then stuck it in her body to cover up the fact that she killed it. She put she put a dead body in her bed to cover up the fact that she killed it? Sure. She, just like, you encounter it, you kill it, you're like, oh, fuck, I can't hide this body. Well, I'll divert suspicion because, like, I'll come home and, ah, dead body. I guess. I, well, <laughs> I feel okay. like, if anything, that's like, okay, why is there a dead guy in your house? Anyway, that whole scene is very confusing to me because there's like two bodies and four potential murderers. Yeah, there's black Aja everywhere and there's very little information. So we can only presume most of the stuff that we're presuming. But yes, I'm, I'm agreeing right now with what Aradia is saying that right now I'm thinking that Slayer stabbed the one that tried to kill Nynaeve and Egwene. Because it was captured, and he didn't want it to give away any evidence, and then he vanished. And then someone was unhappy with Shiriam because she was, you know, she was right there behind that first gray man, so I'm assuming she sent that gray man? Yeah. And so someone was like, hey, you failed. I'm going to send a gray man after you. Gray man shows up. She kills it. After the only other person that knows anything about the plot? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I feel like that's the most plausible that she kills it and it's laying in her bed because she killed it and it fell into her bed. Otherwise, how would it end up there? And why would you kill so- someone and then... Ha- p- um, and Masana is in the tower. We know that the brown that becomes Masana is here. She's definitely here when Suan is deposed. Yeah. So, you know, we also have a Forsaken possibly on the scene. There are t- way too many suspects. Yeah, I'm, I'm not absolutely sure that Masana is here yet, but she's here in a short period of time as one of the like important people who deposes Suan. So my assumption is that she's been there for a while. We also have that confusing scene with Lanfear in the World of Dreams in the White Tower recently. Right, why is she there? We have no idea. But she's there. Reading a book. That is all we know. Again, Shiriam reiterates that you'll... Speak, you obey orders from the Amarillan seat to speak of no one except the mother or me. Mm-hmm. Before I thought she was covering it up, but I guess that's not necessarily true because Swan knows. Swan knows, yeah. Nynaeve tries to question her some more. That is no concern of yours. Shuriam's level gaze inc- included them all. I will ask whatever questions must be asked about this man. You will forget you know anything at all about a dead man. 
There are worse things than scrubbing pots to occupy your attention, and I will not accept any excuses. Do I hear any more questions? This time Nynaeve doesn't ask, but Egwene has the thought. If the Black Aja doesn't catch us, Shiriam will. The urge to laugh vanish. If Shiriam isn't the Black Aja herself, she wished she could make that thought go away. Isn't it ironic? <laughs> Don't you think? Not irony, just misfortune. Just, oh, totally. So just... <laughs> Girls, it's just misfortune. Guess what? Shiriam is black. Very well, then, Shiriam says. You'll come with me. To where, Nynaeve asked, and added, Shiriam, said I, only an instant before the eyes said I's eyes narrowed. Have you forgotten, Shiriam said in a tight voice, that in the tower, healing is always done in the presence of those who bring their sick to us? Egwene thought that the mistress of novices stock of patience with them was about used up but before she could stop herself she burst out then she is going to heal him the amerlin seed herself among others will see to him shiriam's face held no more expression than her voice did you have any reason to doubt it yes Gwen could only shake her head then you waste your friend's life standing here the amerlin seed is not to be kept waiting yet despite her words Egwene had the feeling the eyes that i was in no hurry at all she is. Yeah, I think they'd be okay with letting him die. Yeah. After talking about this last week, it made me wonder while reading this today, why do they heal him? In what way do they benefit? Well, then they at least know who blew the horn. And he's Tavirin. And they think they have him under control in the tower for like a week. Well, they would have. <laughs> if he hadn't gotten a hold of Suan's letter, he would have totally been able to get out of yeah. So they pretty much had him under control. They just didn't anticipate his ability to get out of any trap. That makes me wonder if this is more subtle manipulation from Swan. Like she gives Egwene and Nynaeve two letters. If they're together, even with Elaine, why would they need two? Why heal Matt? Why give people who are clearly going to help him in the same way that she knows, like, that Egwene and Nynaeve are clearly going to help Elaine and let her into whatever they're doing. Now Matt's free and running around the tower. They've got two of these letters where that they can do whatever they want with. Possibly, but I think it's more likely that... She, it's a stretch, but... we never hear her ever think about Matt again. Yeah. May have just been, like, an unconscious choice. Yeah, I like that idea. Let the girls decide. Time to roll the dice. Susan Sanche. Susan? Suan, sorry. <laughs> Susan is how I thought of her on all of my early read-throughs. It was always Susan Sanche. Thank you for listening to the Wheel of Time Spoilers podcast. Rate us in the Apple Podcast app or support us on Patreon. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.